Good morning, Victory Church. How you doing? Let me hear you one more time. Let me hear you. How you doing this morning? Welcome to Victory. My name is Troy. Me and my wife, Darla, get the incredible privilege to pastor this incredible church. And if you're visiting with us, we want to say welcome. What a day to visit. We'd be able to do the trunk or treat festivities after service. You brought a kid and you didn't bring a kid and you're still going to trunk or treat, right? Isn't that how it works? You just showed up ready to eat some candy. Um, listen, so Pastor Brian will give a little bit more direction even after the service to know exactly what to do. But right now we are going to get into the Word. How many of y'all ready for the Word of God? You ready? If you got your Bibles, would you open up to the book of Mark, Mark chapter 4, if you have your Bibles. If you don't have them, feel free to look on your phone, Google Mark 4, and it'll pop up. If you don't want to do either, the message will be behind me on the screen, the scriptures, and you'll be able to follow along. Um, if you visited, if you were here last week, you were handed one of these. It's called a My There card. Uh, I'm explain a little bit. If you would like to get one on the way out, they'll hand them to you. Maybe you weren't here last week. Maybe you're visiting and say, hey, I would like one of those on the way out. Just say, hey, can I get a, can I get a here to there card or call it My There card? Just say one of those cards and they'll know exactly what you're talking about. What it is, it's kind of a documentation of what God's doing through this series in our life. So this series that we're in is called From Here to There. And the concept is this, we are asking God to do the impossible in our lives, and then we are finding the faith to believe it. And so this card kind of allows you to document different things from each message and allows you, I say it's like the largest bookmark you'll ever find. And what's great about it is when, notice I say when, when God allows your, your prayer to come into uh, uh into existence, you'll be able to look back on this card and see kind of the process of how God did it. And so that's why I wanted to give this to you, wanted you to be able to note on it. And so, for example, let me show you the verse, Matthew 17, verse 19 and 20, is what we built this series off of. And it says, where Jesus spoke to the disciples and said, truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed. So right there, notice that Christ is comparing our faith to a seed. That's going to be important as we move forward into this message today. You can say to this mountain, move from here to there, which is where we get the title of the series. We don't just make up stuff randomly, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And so, so far what we've done is we started the series by saying, hey, you can identify your prayer by asking yourself this question. If nothing was impossible, what would I believe for? If nothing was impossible, you've got people right now believing for a dream that God put in their heart years ago. You've got people believing for a relationship, for their marriage, to be able to start a family, to be able to be, have advancement in their job. Something that God put on their heart, that's their prayer. And so we said, whatever that is, if nothing was impossible, what would you pray for? That is your here, and we're trying to move you there. And so then last week we said, if you want to have confidence in what you're praying for, you need to attach God's promises to your prayers, right? And so I hope you spent this week combing through Scripture and finding exactly what God has promised you so that you would know what to pray for. So if you had this card, you would write, you're there, your prayer. You might have to put it in code so that people don't know what you're praying for. And then there's space right here for the promise or for the Bible verse that you're praying for. And so those are step one and step two. Step three is today, and I want to talk about the process between your prayer and the promise, the process between the prayer and the promise. People ask me all the time about sermon prep. I say, hey, can you help me write a sermon? And I say, well, let me explain something to you. There's a process to it. <laughs> and I wish I could tell you it's step one, step two, step three. But a lot of times what happens is I'll get a thought, 
right? Or the Lord will reveal something to me in his scripture, or I'll have a verse or, or a principle that I'm wanting to teach our church. And, and so that's kind of the beginning. And then the end would be what you're about to experience today. But there's a lot of craziness in between. There are moments in the shower where thoughts come to me. There's moments where I'm in the gym and thoughts come to me. There were moments I was this weekend, I was sitting beside both my girls as they were yelling at me and hitting me with stuff. And I was going, yeah, God said this. And so there's sometimes where it's just, it's a process, okay? It's a process. And it's also, there's also a process from your prayer to God's promise. And so in Mark chapter 4, we find kind of the verse that we're going to build this on today. And Christ is once again referring to a seed. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. And as soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So according to Jesus, even though the farmer does not know how, there is still a process between scattering the seed and harvesting the crop. There's a process, okay? Just like your faith, there's a process between what you pray and seeing that come through in a promise. Because listen to me, audacious prayers are miraculous, but they're not magical. They're miraculous, but they're not magical. Anybody in here a gardener? Anybody in here like to garden? We got one or two or three of you? Okay. So that, that is kind of slowly but surely uh, becoming not the norm, although the more our community and our, uh, the more our economy goes the direction it goes, we might need more farmers to come to find out. But when I was growing up, my mom loved to garden. She loved to garden. And she referred to gardening as three things. You ready for this? Number one, fun. Number two, peaceful. And number three, restful. And so she, that's what she would always tell me. This is, this is my thing. Y'all got your thing that brings you peace and rest and it's fun. Some people, some people like it. Some people, it's the gym and those people, you know, they need some kind of psychological help. And so there's just people that have different things that just, it's just peaceful for them and it's restful for them and it's fun for them. And so one day I was at home and I said, you know what, mom, since it's so fun, restful and peaceful, I'm going to help you in the garden today. And so I did. And gardening is a lot of things. A lot of things. Let me tell you three things that it is not. It is not fun, it is not peaceful, and it is not restful. Amen? It's none of those. Gardening is hard work. Hard work. And faith is hard work. And we have to learn to work our faith. We got to work our faith. Look at the person beside you and say, you better work it. Come on, do it. Say, you better work it got to work your faith. And so we're going to talk about that process today. Step one in the process is sacrifice. Step one in your process is sacrifice. When you ask God to do something impossible in your life, listen to me, he is going to ask you in return to do something uncomfortable and inconvenient. When you ask God to do something impossible, he's going to ask you to do something uncomfortable and inconvenient. I can guarantee you this, your miracle will be just past the edge of your comfort zone. Did you hear that? Your miracle, it'll be just past the edge of your comfort zone. We want a miracle from God, but we don't want to get out of our comfort zone. But I guarantee you, it'll be right, right past the edge. Hebrews eleven seventeen says, by faith, Abraham, so then by faith, Abraham, when God tested him, 
offered Isaac as a sacrifice. Sacrifice. So by faith, sacrifice. When you, when you operate by faith, you can guarantee a sacrifice. And I love the second part of this verse. It says, he who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice. So if you were here last week and you are embracing the promises of God, you are about to sacrifice. You don't get to embrace the promise of God without sacrifice. Because listen to me, great moments, great miracles, great experiences are all preceded by great sacrifice. You look all throughout Scripture. The greatest miracle of all time, Christ resurrecting from the dead, right? The greatest miracle of all time. It does not happen if Jesus doesn't first sacrifice himself on the cross in the crucifixion. So in order to have a great miracle, you had to have a great sacrifice. Peter doesn't walk on water if he doesn't sacrifice and get out of the boat, okay? The Israelites don't see the walls come tumbling down in Jericho if they don't sacrifice first by marching around them for six days straight. Great miracles are preceded by great sacrifice. Abraham does not walk into his inheritance of all of his children if he doesn't first leave the country and the people he knows behind to follow and go to a place that God didn't even identify for him. Because great miracles are preceded by great sacrifice. A few years ago, I had a buddy come to me and he said, hey, I had known him young, and I had not really talked to him since I had gotten saved and become a pastor. And he said, hey, would you marry me and my fiance? And I said, of course I will. And so we started talking the process through, and he said, uh, I want to marry her and then go skydiving. And I said, okay, if you want to die before you can consummate the marriage, that's your own business. You know what I mean? That's between you and God, whatever. Um, but you, you do you. You know what I'm saying? You stay in your lane, I'll stay in my lane. And so we kept on talking. He goes, no, you don't understand. I want you to say I do, and then I want to jump off the plane. I said, well, that means I got to be on the plane, right? <laughs> you know what I mean? We don't have live, I can't live stream on the plane. And, and so he goes, well, I'll pay for you to skydive. And I thought, hmm, this might be fun. And so we began to talk, and I went home, and I told Darla, and Darla was not happy about it. And so a few weeks go by, and we started talking more about the wedding, planning the details. And he said, hey, so here's the deal. I'll either pay you the $300 for doing the wedding, or I'll pay for you to skydive. Okay, so I either give you 300 bucks or I'll pay for you to skydive. And my wife found out and she said, take the money. And so I took the money, right? Because she can have the money, but she can't have me when I'm on pavement. You know what I mean? So she's like, she wants the money. And, and so I agreed and, and, and we took the money. And so they had already explained to me, like, look, you're not going to jump. We're going we're gonna to buckle you in, this whole kind of thing. So I got to tell this story because it was pretty funny. So I, I, I get all buckled up. And as I, well, let me re rewind. As I go to get on to the plane, this guy who's standing there who works for the company, this real loud, the engines are going. He goes, hey, don't try to close the door. And I was like, what? Don't try to close the door. And I was like, I don't know what that means. And so I got into the plane. I sit down and I buckled up. And the whole time, they're, they're all tandem with somebody, right? So all of them who are jumping, they're like tied to somebody's back. Um, and so they're coming in and all that. And I'm like, what? Don't close the door. What is he? I'm on an airplane. What is he talking about? And so the airplane goes up, however, 30,000 feet or what? I don't know how really tall it was. And so five feet, whatever. And so we're flying. And I'm buckled up. And I'm trying to, you know, I'm like, do you, Adam, take Catherine? And, and I do kiss your bride. And they kiss their bride and one by one, boom, 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 boom. They're just going out the plane. And I'm buckled up just like, <laughs> and then all of a sudden, this is a real true story. All of a sudden, I realized what the guy was talking about. Because when all of them jump out, there's nobody there 
to close the door that they jumped out of. So I was like, oh, he didn't want me to unbuckle and get up and try to close the door. Because apparently some people are really stupid and they think that makes sense. So I was like, okay, whatever. So again, it's me and the pilot who's way up there. And so he begins to descend. And all of a sudden I realize why somebody would try to close the door. Because when you're descending from air like that and you have an open door. Let me ask you this. You ever been driving down the road with your window down and put your arm out? And all of a sudden you start feeling like, debris and stuff, like bugs hitting you or the wind. Guess what? When you're like thousands of feet in the air, stuff hits you. And so stuff just started flying. I was cut on my leg, cut on my arm. I'm like, just take out my on a Chuck Norris movie, right? Just trying to go down, just trying to live. And so I finally get down. And I'm like, man, I should have jumped. It was worse coming down. I told all that story to tell you this. All right, That part was my life. Okay. This part was, is important. When I was going to get on the plane, the guy said, hold on, I need to make you sign some paperwork. I said, okay. So I go in, sign some paperwork. I think I'm signing like the marriage license or whatever, you know. And he puts it in front of me, and it's a waiver to waive the ability to sue them if I die. Hmm. I said, well, sir, I'm not jumping, so I don't need to do this. And no lie, he looked at me, he goes, you still need to do it in case the plane crashes. I could just go, do you, Adam, take Catherine. You know what I mean? I learned at that moment. Here's what I learned. Listen, anytime you go to new territory, it's going to call for new sacrifices. Because I had never had to sign my life away before, all right, except for when I got married. But other than that, I never had to sign my life away. I saw that my wife left out, so I knew I could get away with that. Um, and so I'm noticing that when you go from new territory, when you go from here to there, that's new territory, Okay? A healed marriage is new territory. That job that you've wanted your entire life, that's new territory. That dream that God put in your heart, that's new territory. That marriage that you hope she says I do to, that's new territory. Anytime you move into those kids you're praying for, both either praying to have or praying that you don't kill, either one, whichever one you're in, um, the kids you're praying for, that's new territory. And so anytime you move from new territory, there's new territory sacrifices. When we moved here to plant the church, we made a lot of sacrifices. Matter of fact, I was thinking about it as I was prepping this message, and I thought, Tim and Jenny Glimp, who Tim's with me normally right here, and then Jenny's back there. She's involved in the coffee and different ministries. They're both involved, obviously, in the dream team, and they were on the original team that helped plant the church. When they moved here, you got to understand this, they had just bought their, like, dream home. They had a pool in the backyard. Like, we would go over there and swim. It was awesome. And it was right in a cool area in Memphis called Bartlett. It was, it was just perfect. And I remember when they accepted to come move and plant the church, that meant they were going to have to sell their home. They didn't even have it for like a year, right? I don't think they had it for a, not even a full year before they sacrificed and gave it to God. I'll never forget, me and Darla were driving down the street, and I may have told you all this before, and I remember when Tim texted me one day and said, just put the house on the market, and my heart like dropped. I was like, I hope this works, you know what I mean? It's going to be really bad trying to explain to him why. But there was sacrifice in that for him. And so a few months ago, I was praying for where we are going as a church and in 2019, and we've been talking about how we want to see 32,000 people saved. That's how many people in our zip code don't know Jesus. We believe victory is going to be a part of seeing every one of them come to know Jesus. And when you want that kind of territory, it means new sacrifices. And so I remember praying, going, God, look what all we sacrificed. We gave away, we, we sold our houses, we, walked, we took our kids out of school, we walked away from comfortable jobs, we did all that. and God told me, that was your sacrifice to be able to launch the church. You sacrificed, and I was faithful in the launch. 
Now you're moving into new territory, and it's going to call for new sacrifices. And that's how I knew that on January, this church would do a 21-day fast as a church. We'll do a 21-day fast in prayer. I don't know what you're going to fast. It's going to be between you and God. But for me, I know what God's told me to fast because this is my new sacrifice for my new territory. People say, man, I'd rather have faith than not sacrifice. Listen to this statement, and this is why you're going to understand that no matter what you are doing, no matter what you're believing for, no matter what you're praying for, you will have to sacrifice because you cannot step in to where God is if you won't first walk out of where God was. Until you sacrifice. Well, God did this and God did that. That's where God was. Because God is, he was, and he will be. And God is constantly moving. So where God was, God was in that job. He was in that relationship. He was in that season. But God's wanting to take you to new territory. And for you to be able to step into where he is, you have to be, ready, be willing to let go of where he was. Amen? So the first process is sacrifice. The second process is obedience. Our faith is not measured, church, by what we believe. It's proven by what we do. Extraordinary moves of God always begin with ordinary obedience. Do you hear that? If you don't hear nothing, get that tattooed on your forehead. Extraordinary, don't really, extraordinary moves of God. You'd be a little weird looking. Extraordinary moves of God, God doing great things. They always start with ordinary obedience. That's why when young people come to me and they're like, hey, Troy, I, I, I want to be, be in full-time ministry. I want to preach the gospel. I want to do, what do I need to do? Do I need to go take biblical classes? Do I need to be able to follow you? Do I need to learn how to get up and in a spotlight preach? How does that microphone work? What do I need to do? I tell them, listen, grab a mop. If you want to be the best preacher in the world and see 32,000 people come to know Jesus, you better get a mop. You know where I was last night at 6 p.m.? Mopping. I would tell you to stack chairs. That's what my youth pastor used to tell me. The first step to ministry is to stack chairs. Here's the problem. Our chairs don't stack, <laughs> all right? So you better get a mop. And if you can't find a mop, get a broom. If you can't find a broom, get a vacuum cleaner. Because ordinary obedience will move you into extraordinary moves of God. I want that new job. Fill out an application, right? I, I want to talk. I, I, want a, I want a husband. I want a wife. Be a greeter. Be a greeter. We have it set up for you. We should be better than any dating site in America. We put you at the front door, and you are allowed to touch them. You have your hand. Listen, I know, and you got to be a good judge of character, because when they come walking with their spouse, don't be like, ooh, I'm better than him. They don't, they don't work that way, okay? Just be prepared that when they walk up, shake their hand, and just look for that moment of stargazing. You know what I mean? Just give them one of those, like, And if they are quick to move on, that's not God. You know what I mean? And they're like, thank you, goodbye now. You know what I mean? But uh, we set you up. Don't ever complain about wanting a husband and wife if you're not on the greeter team. You better touch every hand. Just keep, just, ooh, your hand's soft. Like, ugh. That means they're not for you. <laughs> Extraordinary moments come from ordinary obedience. Look what James says. My friends, what good is it? What good is it? For one of you to claim to have faith, for one of you to say you have faith, if your actions do not prove it. 
It's not about what you believe. It's about what you do. Because you can believe all day, and if you're not doing something, you don't prove to me that you believe. Right? Do you know why my kids don't go grocery shopping? Because they, well, there's a lot of reasons, but legally. But one of the reasons is they have faith that daddy's going to have groceries in the refrigerator. And so they come walking down the stairs, all bow-legged, right? And they go to the fridge, and they open up the fridge ready to eat because their actions prove that they have faith in their father. Hear me? Faith is not a desire. It's a demonstration. It's a demonstration. It's what you do. When I walk, I walk like I got faith. When I move, I move. When I move, you move just like that. When I move, you move just like that. Y'all know about Ludacris? What y'all know? Why is he so crazy? I don't know what's happening. Um, Okay. It's the faith. It's how you move. Move shows that you have faith. Listen, again, when we were getting ready to plant the church, we had talked to a few families that we knew we had a long relationship with. Tim and Jenny, Tim for sure, had been with me in youth ministry, and we always used to have dream conversations over Chili's late night appetizers right before we got gas, and we would talk about Jesus and all that. You know, it was like Jesus, then the Holy Spirit. You know what I'm saying? Okay, um, back to ludicrous, I guess. There. Uh, and so we had this come. But then there were some people that we hadn't really ever talked to about this before. And so, for example, there was a couple in the church, or in the church back in Memphis named Joel and Tatiana Urostegi, okay? So Joel oversees our parking lot ministry, Tatiana oversees our dream team care, and just, uh, we call Tatiana Tati. That's just kind of our nickname for her, Tati. So Joel and Tati. And so we're sitting in our kitchen one night, and Darla's in the pantry, she's putting stuff in the pantry, and no lie, we, and let me explain something. We had a relationship with Joel and Tati. I had, I had officiated their wedding, and we had been to lunch and dinner with them a few times, but, but we had never really talked to them about this, and they, they weren't. They weren't with us as much as some of the others were. And so we're in the, pa- we're in the, well, we're in the kitchen. Darla's in the pantry. Um, um, that was going to be some marriage counseling for some of y'all. Me and her both were in the pantry. You know what I'm saying? Um, and so um, she looks at me and she goes, hey, you think Joel and Tati would go with us? I said, go with us where? She said, move with us to plant the church. I said, no. <laughs> and nobody's talking about that. How are you, you going to throw that? Hey, by the way, will you quit and leave everything you know and help us go where we don't know where we're going to do something? We don't know what we're doing. You know what I mean? That's a hard thing to sell. And so I said, I don't, I don't know, babe. I don't, I don't know. I haven't. I mean, we've never even talked to him about him. Here's what she said. Well, all we can do is ask. I said, hey, you're right. So we did what every Christian does. We invited them to the biblical place called Whole Foods. And we went there for lunch because that's where you take people when you're going to scare them with a lot of vision. You take them to Whole Foods so they can have an organic brownie, right, before they get it. And so we're sitting down, and, and, and I'm, I'm like nervous, right? I'm kind of eating, and Darla's kind of looking at me like, when are we going to drop the bomb on it? Because we're having that small talk. You know what I'm talking about? Like, hey, so, uh, wow, did you see the degrees in which the rain failed today? That's crazy. You know, all this kind of stuff. And finally, Darla's like, hey, here's the reason we asked y'all to lunch. We want to plant a church, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, will you go? No lie, Tatiana looks at Joel with this smile that I've learned from now on is creepy, and then she looks back at Darla and she goes, we were just talking about moving to Nashville. What? And sure enough, fast forward, they ended up selling everything, quitting their jobs. Joel's family owned a restaurant that he worked at. They walked away from all of that, came here, and they helped us plant the church. Listen, we are always so worried about the outcome that we refuse to be obedient and just do what God told us to do. All we had to do was ask. Because listen, God's job is the outcome. Our job is obedience. 
We just ask. We just do. We just walk. We just move. And if God does, then God does. And if God doesn't, then God doesn't. Because I know he's got a better aerial view than I've got. So there must be a reason why he's not doing. And so I'll just trust and I'll believe. And I'll ask and I'll see. And I'll let God worry about the outcome and I'll worry about the obedience. I have learned that favor, God's favor, follows obedience. We like to think that our obedience is following God's favor. God, if you'll do, I'll go. If you'll provide, I'll praise. I'll just, where you move, I'll move, right? It's like, what is that? I don't dance. So what's that dancing where it's like, I just follow footsteps, God? Waltz. So, just dance. I just, God, whatever you do, Whatever you do, I'll do. God says, no, no, no. You be obedient. You lead, right? You be obedient, and my favor will follow. Now, God's ultimately leading us. Don't get me wrong. But God's waiting for us to step out in obedience and in faith, and favor follows faith. Favor follows obedience. Watch this. One of the most priceless stories in the Bible that you'll ever hear, because we talk about it all the time, is little David killing big Goliath right? We use this in sports all the time. Man, you're the David going to take out the Goliath, right? This is a famous story. This is a great miracle. This little boy with a rock and a slingshot, okay? Remember that little rider? What was the gun in the Christmas movie, Rider? Y'all can, huh? Red Rider, thank you. Red Rider gun. He had a little bitty Red Rider gun is what he had, and this massive giant, and he took him down. But can I tell you where the real incredible moment in this entire story is? It isn't when the rock hit the giant. It isn't when the giant fell. It isn't when David took his sword and cut his head off. It isn't when David was like, it wasn't when David tried to put on Saul's armor and then took it off. It wasn't when David said, what will I get if I take down this giant? If you rewind, the incredible moment of obedience is when his father said, your brothers need some bread and cheese. Can you take it to them? Because David had already been anointed king. You imagine being anointed king and then being told to make a charcuterie plate? I'm king, bruh. I can't even spell charcuterie. I don't do things with the word cute in them. I'm a man. You know, I'm the king. I'm King David. I ain't taking them no bread and no cheese. But because he was obedient in the ordinary, sometimes it's just you being, hear me, I, this is a word from the Lord right here. Some of you, you're being obedient in the ordinary. You're making your kids peanut butter and jelly every day. You're being obedient in the ordinary, and God sees that, and your family's blessed because of it. You're being obedient in the, obedient in the ordinary. But watch, oh gosh. You being obedient in the ordinary will put you in the presence of the opportunity for extraordinary. Let me explain. Where was David? Where was he? At home, wherever charcuterie plates are made, right? That's where he is. He's at home. What's happening out there? David or, or the army, Goliath, out there is an extraordinary what? moment. Out there is a ridiculous miracle. Out there is audacious faith. And David was 
here, and the only thing that took David from here and put him there is because he had ordinary obedience. And he was obedient in the small thing, in the thing that looked insignificant. He was obedient in that moment, and because he was obedient, it moved him into the presence of God for an opportunity to see something extraordinary. Y'all got to be way louder about that. That's good. Amen, Pastor Troy. Man, that is wow. That is so good. That ordinary obedience moves me into an opportunity for something extraordinary. When we don't, when we're not obedient in the ordinary, it proves that we don't have faith in the extraordinary. Why do we expect extraordinary to look extraordinary at the beginning? You know who looked ordinary in the beginning? Jesus. I don't even need to preach. I already got this. He sure looked ordinary on that cross. That's your Savior? That's him up there between those two ordinary thieves? He sure is ordinary. He was being obedient in the ordinary and getting himself positioned for the extraordinary. Oh, my God. Brandon, hold that, bro. I ain't got time for it. Oh, my goodness. Man, I just think, I think that of all things is the word for us right there. Those of you that you've been serving, you've been setting up every Saturday, you've been breaking down every Sunday, and it's ordinary. It's ordinary. Why are we doing this? Because 57 people have given their life to Jesus. You were ordinary so God could do extraordinary. You know what I mean? You came and you set up your trunks today. And there will be people who will set foot on this ground and they will give their life to Jesus. And because you were obedient in the ordinary, God's moving in the extraordinary. Obedience. Number three, I'm moving on because I'll stay here all day. Intercession. So the first part of the process is sacrifice and then it's obedience and then there's intercession. Prayer? We, there's prayer in the process of our prayer? Yes, I heard God tell me this week, pray for your prayers. <laughs> I said, amen. Thank you, Lord. But let me tell you what prayer is in this process, because it's not maybe what you're used to. In this process, prayer is unique, because what prayer is doing in the process between your prayer and your promise, watch this, is it is syncing your faith with God's schedule, okay? Me and my wife have different calendars. We have Google calendars. Anybody here do Google calendar? You got Google calendars? And so, you know, I've got stuff throughout the day, meetings and responsibilities, and she's got different things, and so we sync our calendars, and our calendars come together, and so I can see what she's got planned, and she can see what I've got planned, so that she doesn't come home expecting something from me, and I've got other plans, and then someone's left frustrated. And so when we pray, it's like us sinking our faith to God's schedule, because if we're not careful, we will frustrate our faith expecting God to do something when God has different plans, okay? Look what it says in 1 John. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything, what? According to his will, he heard us. If I ask anything in line with his schedule, he hears me. If I ask anything according to his will, he hears me. And if I know that he hears me, then whatever I ask, we know that we have whatever we asked of him. So I have to sync up my faith with his schedule. Let me ask you this. Do you wake up, get dressed, drive over to the Malco Theater, 
and walk in and go, I would like to see a showing of venom. And they go, uh, what time, sir? And you go, the 1021. Sir, we don't have a 1021 showing. Excuse me? Before you came here, if you would have checked our schedule, you would have known what time our movie started, and you wouldn't have shown up looking like a fool, expecting to see a movie before the movie's supposed to start. We do, however, have popcorn popping for $374 a bag <laughs> if you would like to have some popcorn. But the movie is not scheduled right now. Those of you that work and you clock in or you call in and get the time in which you work, have you ever thought to wake up on a Saturday and say, I think I'll go to work? And so you get in your car and you drive and you walk in and you go, hey, I'm here to work. And they go, well, were you on the schedule? No, I'm just here to work. I will expect overtime pay now. Those of you that have kids, if you have kids and you're running them to, to, to cheerleading practice and to basketball practice and to what, whatever else kids do, and you're going here, do you just show up to the ballpark and kick your kid out the car whoo, and say, hey, at some point today, maybe this week, they're going to have basketball practice in that building somewhere. So if you'll just stay here until the coach pulls up, you'll know that there's practice, and then you can go in and practice, and then they can bring you home. Y'all don't do that? No? I've been doing this parenting thing all wrong. All wrong for eight years. Listen, we don't do that. We check the schedule. All our entire life is about lining up schedules so that we don't come into a scenario with expectations that become unable to happen and cause us to be frustrated. If you don't know God's schedule, you will show up to sowing season ready to harvest. And this is what happens to most of us. God's schedule is unaware to us, and so we're expecting this, but God's already got a schedule. I'm ready to harvest, God. Still sowing time. You got more seed to scatter. I'm ready to scatter seed, God. It's harvest time. If you would spend time in prayer and pray for my will, you'll sink your faith to my schedule. And you will know what time frame you are in so that you won't get worried about where your faith is in the process. The thing I hate the most in the world are hospitals. Sorry for those of you that work there. I just can't stand them. I, I, they, they just drive me crazy. And uh, my wife has given birth to two children, and she asked me to be in there for both births, and I made it through about 26% of it is how far I got. But it was not an enjoyable experience. And so at one time, the, the second time with Casey Ray, I'm in our room, and we are watching uh, a, a documentary about a Bible character. It's called uh, Paul Blart Mall Cop. And so we were watching that and waiting for the doctors. And what I didn't know, nobody told me this, that my room that I was in, or shall I say the room my wife was in, I've already done my job. What am I there for? And so, um, and, sorry, 
Um, just trying to give you women the praise you are because we just stand there and look stupid during childbirth. And so I'm in this room, and uh, what they didn't tell me is that this room turns into the delivery room. I've seen like four episodes of ER, and what I understood was that when she starts to give birth, they're going to take her out of the, that room and take her to the delivery room. So I'm sitting there, feet propped up, right, watching Kevin James, at his, or is that his name, at his best, and all of a sudden, lights start going off, and sounds start going off, and people with masks start running in, and I didn't know what was going on. I stood up out of my chair. I was like, what's happening? What's happening? I have a really weird thing. I don't like to see darling pain. I don't like, so, so I freak out, and so I'm like, what's happening? What's going on? What, you know, what are we doing? What are we doing? And, and nobody would talk to me. And everybody was just doing their thing and pulling things down and lights down. And, and I'm like, what? Because I'm just assuming that if we're not taking her to the delivery room, something is going wrong for them to come into my room. And I'm freaking out. My mother-in-law grabs me. She goes, do you need to get out of here? And I said, yes. <laughs> Immediately. And so, I, but all of a sudden there's a nurse there. And I looked at the nurse and I said, what? Is, is something wrong? And she goes, no, no, no. Everything's on schedule. See, let me walk you through what prayer is. Prayer is you getting the attention of the one who knows what's going on to be able to say, hey, everything okay? And him being able to say, everything is still on schedule. Everything you prayed for, everything you asked for, it's on schedule. But the season that you're in is this season. And if you don't know the time frame, you will start to expect something that's over here when in reality you're right here. And so in moments where you struggle with your faith, you need to pray for your prayers. You need to go get in the presence of God and say, hey, God, hey, nurse, hey, nurse, hey, nurse, hey, 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 is, is everything okay? Because I didn't know it was going to look like this. I, I, I mean, this whole prayer for a new job, I didn't know I was going to get fired today. You know, I didn't know that was going to happen. Like, what is the process? What, can you help me here? And God is the only one who can look at you and go, hey, it's okay. Everything's on schedule. It's on schedule. So, in the process from your prayer to your promises, first, you better be ready to sacrifice. Then you got to be obedient in the ordinary. Then you have to be in intercession so that you can make sure that you have lined up your faith with God's schedule. And then last but not least, you ready? Everybody's favorite, long-suffering. Really? You couldn't have had, like, reward, the world. Yeah, you couldn't have had some, like, real big, like, that was a horrible climax, Troy. This movie stinks. Long-suffering. Yes, because no matter what it is, there are just moments where some things take time. You don't get to read your pregnancy test and have your baby the same day. Unless you looked at your pregnancy test really late. <laughs> I don't know what's happening. There are way too many bagels. <laughs> Right? <laughs> I'm sorry. But some things just take time. You don't get to walk into the gym tomorrow, do one setup, whoo, and then boom, 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 boom. 44 pack right here. How you like them apples? Some things just take time. So this part of the process is you waiting. When the farmer said that he didn't know how? He wasn't lying. 
He wasn't being dumb. The reason he said that, or the reason we get that implication, is because, listen to me, a large part of the process happened out of view. Because he put that seed in the ground, and then stuff started happening. Those of you that garden, the next time you plant something, do me a favor, get your seed, come over, or, or you know, till up the dirt, put in the seed, put the dirt back on, pack it down, back up, get you a chair, maybe a bean bag, if that's your deal, if you're from the 70s, and just watch it. If you're trying to get the abs, do one of those invisible chair sets, you know what I mean? Just do one of the, and just watch it. Hey, babe, can you give me some sweet tea? It's going to take a while. And it's funny to me because if you asked us, here's what we would say. Well, hey, what's happening? Nothing. Right? Hey, hey, Troy, what, what, what's the status of your seed? I know you put it in there. Have you grown any jalapenos or how's your tomatoes coming? What's that? Let me go check. I'll be in the backyard. Let me check. Uh... Nothing. Nothing's happened. It's been three weeks. And nothing's happened. And this is what the waiting process is for us. Why we call it long suffering. Because we suffer in the waiting. God. God. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. Nothing is happening. And I felt God tell me this. He said, reread, and I won't worry about putting it up, but he said, reread what it said in Matthew and go down to the bottom and it said nothing is impossible for God, right? He said read that differently and read it like this. What is the only thing that's impossible for God? To do nothing. The only thing that's impossible for God is to do nothing. And so when you sit down and you watch that seed and you go What's happening? To, n nothing. It's not nothing. Because nothing is impossible for God. Something's happening. You just can't see it. That seed's opening and the plants are starting to come out. And it may take months before one little boop pops out. Now, oh, something's happening. Whoop, it went straight from that little seed to all of a sudden this plant that came up 20 feet. What happened? No, that didn't work that way. It was a process. It was a process. And this process right here is where most of us walk away from our faith. We sacrificed God. I gave up that. And it, I gave up my house a year and a half ago, and I'm still sitting at the nursery. Nothing's happening. We're obedient. I did that, God. I told that person I was sorry, and they still are mean to me. Nothing's happening, God. I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed. I went to Monday night prayer. I went to Tuesday morning prayer. I went to Wednesday midday prayer. I went to Thursday afternoon prayer. I went to Friday praying to sleep. I went to, I went to every prayer there is. Nothing is happening. No. Something's happening. You're just in the waiting seat. Because once you understand the process, watch this. You can identify where you are in it. 
So you're going to call me to sacrifice. Oh, that's where I am. Whew. God's calling me to sacrifice. Oh, there's obedience, ordinary obedience. That's, that's where I am. Oh, a time of prayer. Whew. I've been feeling like I need to pray. Every, that's where I am. Oh, waiting season. That's where I am. And so we get all frustrated in the process. Tired of this. I'm done. It's not happening. We get frustrated. What do you do? The entire time, the scripture had it very clear. Can, can you put Matthew 17, 20 back up for me, Miss Erica? I'm sorry. I want y'all to see this. The Lord showed me this last night. Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong verse. Mark chapter 4, verses 26 through 29. The text in which we're looking at today. So the kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he, what? Or what? Whether he sleeps or gets up. Whether he sleeps or gets, whether, because once you honor the process, it doesn't matter if you continue to worry or not process is working whether you sleep or whether you get up and so when we begin to attach God's promise to our prayer and we start to pray if we don't see immediate results we start freaking out and what I took from that is God said hey once you've sacrificed and once you've been obedient and once you've prayed and you get into the waiting season just go to sleep. Just rest. Don't stress about it. Don't talk to every spiritual mentor you have in the world trying to get a different idea about it. Just rest. Now let me show you something. Let's take the four words, sacrifice, obedience, intercession, long-suffering. Use it as an acrostic and what does that say? Huh? Soil. Now, see it? Sacrifice, obedience, intercession, long-suffering. The process is the soil. Now let's go back to our verse. Watch this. Matthew 4, verse 28. Look at this. It's where the kingdom of God is like a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed what? Sprouts and what? Grows. Though he does not know what? How? Watch this. And all by itself, the what? Soil produces grain. We got to let the soil do the work. We rest and let the soil do the work. My prayer, God's promise. I sacrifice, ordinary obedience, intercession, long-suffering, and the soil does the work. And whether I sleep whoop, or whether I get up, it doesn't matter because the soil does the work. Can I tell you the secret to faith moving from here to there is if your faith
faith survives the soil. Lord, I thank you for who you are, your faithfulness. God, we come before you this morning, humbled, humbled just to be in your presence. And God, I thank you that you've put in place a process where we don't have to sit around and wonder. God, we can look for that opportunity to sacrifice. We can look for that opportunity to be obedient. We can pray and sync our faith with your schedule. And then, God, we can rest. We can sleep. We can wait and know that the soil is doing its work. And so, God, as a church, over the next couple of months, Lord, you're going to give us those opportunities in fasting and praying and giving to sacrifice and to be obedient and to pray so that we can move into new territory so that we can go from here to there. Would you do me a favor? Would you just close your eyes for a second? And if you're believing for something, if you've got a there that you're believing for, in your own way, you may do it out loud, you may do it inside your mind, would you just begin to ask God to reveal to you the process in your life, where you are in the process. If God's calling you to sacrifice, you better sacrifice. If God's calling you to be obedient in the ordinary, you better be obedient. If God's telling you, hey, you need to talk to me more so that you know what I'm doing and when I'm doing it, then you need to start praying. Or maybe God's confirming in your heart right now that this is the waiting season for you. Be patient, sleep, don't be anxious, rest, and let the soil do the work. God, I thank you because I believe in all of my heart that there are people that are going to see their prayers come to be throughout this series. So I do. I pray right now for jobs. I pray right now for dreams. I pray right now for marriages. I pray for wounds. I pray for families. I pray for everything that people are asking for right now in an audacious prayer that you would help us to be faithful to the process so that our prayer, our faith, our seed could survive the soil. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen.